The home stretch arrives for the Tokyo Olympics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tokyo Report. I'm Ed Hula. And as we head into the final week of the Tokyo Olympics, I'm joined by Around the Rings colleague Brian Pinelli for a look at what's ahead in Tokyo before the flame goes out next Sunday night. Hello, Brian. Hello, Ed. How are you doing? Good to catch up again as uh, we proceed proceed here with the Tokyo 2020 Games. How are you doing? You getting some rest, Ed? Uh, a little bit of rest. Um, I've just given up on trying to adjust my schedule to Tokyo time and trying to maintain the uh, U.S. time zone. Someone's got to stand stand strong here. All the best to you, Ed. This, uh, many Olympic games for you. And I guess, as everybody else says, had a conversation with Sergei Bobka the other day, uh, uh, Marco Scolaris, the, the Climbing Federation president this morning. I guess uh, we're, we're in a unanimous decision that the, these games are unlike any previous. Uh, the, the, that's what they were billed as, and I guess they haven't disappointed in, in that, that distinction. Uh, let's talk a little golf here. Um, we had the men's golf final on, on Sunday in Tokyo, the women playing their tournament uh, this coming week, but uh, interesting result in the golf final. I think so. I think they delivered. I think it was a good four days. I, I spoke to IGF Executive Director uh, Anthony Scanlon after the second round. Uh, it, w- it was a good mix of, of some of the game's top stars and, and, and some lesser-known athletes. 35 nations were represented in, in the men's tournament, and obviously that's a much greater number than we see on the weekly uh, PGA Tours, European Tours. Your, your Olympic gold medalist today, the second American ever to win a men's Olympic golf tournament in a, in a span of 121 years, Ed, was California's Xander Schofley, uh, 2006 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, nice guy. He, uh, he won the tournament today by one shot over who was the biggest surprise on Sunday in a very interesting story, a Slovak golfer, Rory Sabatini, who is a South African that attained uh, Slovakian citizenship just two years ago, uh, has a Slovak wife, wants to grow the game in Slovakia. He fired a 61 day, Ed, to, to get into the narrative. Shofley uh, held him off by one Absolutely. Olympic record. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our, our friend Hideki Matsuyama, hats off to him. He played well for three, four rounds. Uh, he was a couple shots off the lead, you know, made a few mistakes here and there. And uh, a, a little heartbreaking on 18, he missed uh, a putt. He, he would have won a bronze medal. So uh, just missed out on the medals. But, uh, you know, one of the other stories besides, obviously, Shofley and Sabatini, Ed, it was a little bit of chaos there. And I mean it in a good way. A seven-player playoff for the bronze medal. Obviously unprecedented in, in, in Olympic history. Probably unprecedented in any golf history. It went four holes, one hour and 30 minutes. And uh, ultimately, it was C.T. Pan from Chinese Taipei taking the bronze medal on the final hole. The fourth hole, he, uh, he bested Colin Morikawa, the, the recent British Open champion. But, uh, you know, Ed, not, not, not often you're in a, a seven-player playoff for a bronze medal. I wonder if this will give uh, the Golf Federation any pause for adjustments or changes that they might need to make to the, uh, to the uh, way the, the tournament's conducted. 
I mean, I don't think it's necessary. It was exciting. I mean, obviously, this isn't something you're going to see uh, every weekend on the PGA Tour, right? You want to be in the top three. You're not playing for prize money, so it really doesn't matter. But but you do bring up an interesting point because uh, Rory McIlroy, who was also in contention, he finished uh, three shots off the lead. Uh, we all know how critical initially Rory was about Olympic golf. His mood started to change, although someone asked him this week, what would Olympic medal mean to him? And he said, well, I really don't know. I grew up dreaming of claret jugs and green jackets. But uh, Rory had, let's say, softer comments. He said, you know, maybe I'll continue to think about this. So I, I think the fact that he was in a, a seven-player playoff for a bronze medal and didn't win, that has to be a, a little bitter taste in the mouth. I think it was unusual to see Rory McIlroy playing without a hat. Yeah, good, good observation, Ed. Great golf analysis. I don't know what the story is on that. I, I haven't tracked that down, but I was I was just enjoying four good rounds. I, I think the IGF is is satisfied. Uh, the players enjoyed themselves. You know, some stayed in the Olympic Village. Uh, Ortiz of Mexico said it was the best decision he made. He became friends with some uh, Mexican boxers. Watch one of them win a fight, one of his new friends. And he said, you know, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I'm really happy I didn't stay in a hotel. Xander Shoffley, though, did stay in a hotel, and he thinks that was uh, one of the keys to his, uh, <laughs> his play. So have it, have it either way, I guess. Uh, track and field. Athletics is underway. Uh, we have a new fastest man in the world, Lamont Marcel Jacobs of Italy. I mean, another another surprise uh, surprise win there. I think nine point eight seconds was his time in the uh, in the one hundred meters. Uh, uh, a new face on the world athletic stage. It sounds like absolutely a new new European record. Uh, first Italian in in the history of the Olympic Games to win the men's hundred. Of course, you'll recall that Pietro Menea won a silver medal, I'm sorry, won a gold medal in the 200 meters uh, back there in, in the 70s, I believe Montreal, but absolutely a new face. Uh, not easy to replace Usain Bolt, as we all know, but uh, really cool to see an Italian, Lamont Marcel Jacobs, uh, take the 100. Uh, Fred Curley of the United States was uh, the silver medalist. He was four 100s behind, and the, the veteran Canadian, who was a bronze medalist in Rio, Andre de Grasse, uh, a second bronze medal for him. So uh, uh, I don't want to say the marquee event. Some people will because the men's pole vault is still coming. But uh, it seemed like a heck of 100 meters. Yeah, you mentioned the pole vault. Uh, uh, you were following what's happening with uh, uh, the quarantined American pole vaulter who's uh, been in quarantine for a few days and not very happy about the situation. He's not a happy camper, Ed, and, and let me preface by saying, you know, I've been fortunate to talk to Sam on quite a few occasions, six-time U.S. national champion, uh, bronze medalist from Rio, and he's one of the nicest guys in sports that you, you, you will meet. I mean, it's so interesting. Over the years, he coaches and assists his fellow competitors during competition. So much camaraderie, but, you know, Sam is just down. He had an 80-minute Instagram live call. Uh, spoke to his coach, uh, former pole vaulter, uh, spoke to his father, who's actually uh, his coach now, and, and spoke to his wife there in Louisiana. And he just uh, said, I miss you guys. You know, I, I can't go home. It's six days. And then he needs two negative tests. He was slightly critical. He said the facility is not great. He said he has no window. 
He said he hasn't been allowed outside in five days. He convinced someone to let him go outside for 20 minutes. Uh, no exercise. The USOPC uh, brought him a stationary bike, which he was thankful for. But he said, you know, this is not a good situation. He goes, respect to Japan. You know, it's, it's a difficult situation that everybody's in. But uh, he says, you know, I, I just want to get home. I want to return to the U.S. Uh, you know, I can't do anything here. Um, and, and conditions, he, he said, they're, you know, less than ideal. He got no respect as an athlete, it sounds like. I mean, he even went as far as saying, and, you know, again, Sam is respectful and polite that, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not ideal for my, my fellow inmates. So Sam, uh, quite outspoken. He said, no sushi, no poke balls. Uh, three times a day, he goes downstairs to pick up his lunch and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be heading back to the U.S. and, you know, getting back on the Diamond League circuit uh, uh, in a little while. And he said he, he kidded around to, to his friend Mondo Duplantis, of course, the Swedish-American world record holder. And he, you know, kind of kidded around saying, you know, Mondo's uh, tough to beat. And he's, you know, a little bit lucky that, that I, won't, uh, I won't get my shot on Tuesday night in the men's pole vault. Um, we also want to mention, I guess, we've had the first... Uh... I guess we can call it uh, protest uh, by an athlete at, at, at these games. Raven Saunders, who won the silver medal in the shot put, the U.S. Uh, shot putter, crossed her arms to form an X at the end of the medal ceremony uh, Saturday in, in, uh, in Tokyo. No word on whether any sanctions will be uh, uh, handed down over her, her gesture, it was not a moment. The, the U.S. national anthem wasn't played, and uh, so there may not be a, a, an issue there. But then uh, coming up uh, this week, Tuesday, uh, Gwen Berry, the uh, hammer thrower from the United States who sure. has been leading the push, is going to try to compete for a spot on the podium, so we may hear more about that later. An unpredictable situation, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's tough, Ed. Athletes want to express themselves. I mean, obviously, the IOC Athletes Condi uh, Commission did extensive studies speaking to, uh, sending questionnaires to um, all of the NOCs. Kirsty Coventry says that, you know, ultimately, athletes uh, still want the, the podium to be held sacred, but other athletes, uh, you know, like, like Christian Taylor and, and some of these other groups say, you know, we, we want a voice where it counts. Uh, Christian Taylor says, you know, if they say we can only do it in the mix zone, well, most exposure, obviously, right, comes from ceremonies. So uh, I think it's going to be a debate that, that, that will continue. And uh, so far, you know, we've just had this one, one incident, and, uh, you know, maybe it won't be as prevalent as we thought it might be at these games. And we should note a very interesting uh, situation in the high jump, I think a first ever for the Olympics to have a, uh, a dead heat, a tie. How'd that work out? Very interesting. Uh, Forza Italia, Ed, uh, a second gold medal for, for Italy there on, on the track at Tokyo Olympic Stadium. But veteran uh, Qatarian high jumper, who we all know, Mutaz Barsham, uh, who improved upon his bronze medal in London, his silver medal in Rio, Great for him, a gold medal in Tokyo. I believe he's a two-time world champion. Both he and, and John Marco Tambari of Italy both went 2.37 meters and uh, been busy covering golf, so I didn't analyze uh, every jump yet, Ed. But uh, but a dead heat, 
two gold medals awarded. So uh, an Italian and a, and a Qatarian stand on top of the high jump podium. They were also two centimeters off the Olympic record that was set by Charles Austin back there in your hometown of Atlanta back in, in 1996. So so a good height and uh, yeah, n- nice to see. It kind of reminds me when uh, uh, Tina Maza and uh, Corinne Suter shared the top of the women's downhill podium there in, in Sochi 2014. So, right, obviously not something you see uh, every day. And certainly, certainly it's very rare in in track and field in athletics and where, where the measurements are, are down so precisely, whether it's time or, or distance. Well, I, I think uh, it, obviously everybody has to be careful what are countermeasures, but, but I would say it's safe to bet there might be a, a, a few glasses of wine tonight at Casa Italia, considering the double Italian gold medal performance today. Uh, coming up Tuesday, a bit of a, a celebrity competes in the uh, equestrian events. Jessica Springsteen will be uh, riding in the uh, jumping events at the uh, Tokyo Olympics. She, of course, is the daughter of Bruce Springsteen and Patty Schialfa. She's um, about, I think, 13th in the world, 15th in the world, something like that in that particular event. How, how is she expected to do? Yeah, she. I believe she has 24 worldwide victories, Ed. She's been at this uh, uh, 10 years. She was actually an alternate for the team back in London. Uh, you know, th- this is her passion. This is her life. I had a chance to speak to her when she was competing in Prague uh, at an indoor event a couple years ago, and uh, we-, we had a nice chat. And obviously, uh, she's passionate uh, about horses, and-, and I don't think uh, music uh, is even a concern of hers. <laughs> It was hard not to ask her, you know, a, a few questions uh, about her dad's band. But but she did say, you know, mom and dad are 100% supportive. She said that Bruce, Bruce, she said my dad loves, um, you know, coming to events, supporting me. Uh, she said he is so relaxed at equestrian events. He uh, he just sits there and he, he really likes it, you know, which is, which is almost hard to imagine, right? Because we know him running around on stage for four hours without taking a break. And, uh, you know, here he is at equestrian events. But but sadly, right, with uh, with our coronavirus countermeasures, no family, no friends. So uh, unfortunately, I guess Bruce and Patty won't be able to see their daughter competing, which is uh, a little bit disappointing, I'm sure, for them. Um, but but good for Jessica. You know, she's a serious rider. Uh, her teammates on the Miami Celtics a couple of years ago said, uh, you know, top notch rider. Great feel for the horse. Uh, she, she's small. She's five foot six. Um, you know, small frame, and uh, she she's amazing to watch. Uh, they're jumping, which are the best. The the team event, she has a chance at a medal. Uh, uh, team USA, three consecutive gold medals in the team equestrian event. So, uh, be interesting to see and and fun to watch. I guess Ed, you could say she was uh, born to ride while her father was born to run. And he he and he and uh, Patty Scalfa, I think, are on tour. Uh, and they're playing music while their daughter uh, rides in uh, in Tokyo. Sure, they'll take the night off, Ed. Let's mention the uh, athlete IOC Athlete Commission election that's underway this week. I think the voting ends August 3rd. Some 30 candidates up for election. Four of them will, the, the top four vote-getters will become IOC members for an eight-year term. 
some interesting names. Uh, Muktez Barsham, our, our high jumper from Qatar, is one of the uh, 30 candidates on the list. Paul Gasol from uh, Spain, the uh, basketball player, still very much uh, alive in the uh, tournament basketball tournament in Tokyo, is, uh, is one of the candidates as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who shakes out of, uh, out of this election. The, the results we'll get later in the week. I guess you can say Mutaz Barsham's carrying some nice momentum into the election, huh? Coming off uh, his gold medal performance today. Inspire and, and, and also Federica Pellegrini. Uh, she retired after uh, her final race in, in the pool last week. Uh, a very uh, emotional retirement. She's been a, a mainstay uh, in Italian swimming for, for more than a decade. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how really any athlete's um, you know, make the transition from the field of play to uh, to sports governance, but uh, it, it's not easy to get in, right? I, I mean, thirty athletes for uh, for that will make it. It's uh, almost tougher than uh, athletic competition. You can make the argument. In some ways, it is, and you're really not allowed to campaign. You put your biography on a, on a website, and maybe you can talk to people on a one to one basis in the Olympic Village. Often depends on. Uh, which NOC you're from? If if you if you're from a, a large delegation, you can sort of count on the votes of your uh, fellow uh, countrymen and countrywomen in the election. But for some of these smaller countries, like for example Qatar, uh, Muqtaz Barsham might have to uh, count on his uh, his personality and his uh, and his charm, and he is quite a charming young man. And his ability to soar into the sky, Ed. Hopefully that will help him. Uh, coronavirus still surging in Tokyo. Where more than 4,000 new cases reported over the weekend. But uh, the uh, chief executive of Tokyo 2020 insists that there's no correlation between the Olympic Games and all the people here for the Olympic Games and this surge in, uh, in Tokyo. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem that uh, it is hindering the, the competition other than keeping the fans out of the stadium and knocking a few people out of, uh, out of, uh, out of the competition. And probably making it challenging, as, as we've seen through social media, and uh, hats off to them. But obviously the, the many journalists uh, there in Tokyo, it's a, it's a tough situation, you know, right? The 15 minutes to, to leave your hotel while you're still under the the, the soft quarantine and uh, you know it becomes an event in itself uh, a few of my friends are kidding saying uh, you need to sort of kidding you need to get a running start to uh, head down to the 7-eleven and if there's a long line and you know you're not going to get back in this 15 minute time frame well you have a tough decision to make so uh, you know a- adds to the challenges all around but but you know obviously necessary in our difficult health situation Well, we'll wrap up here with our medal count as we head into competition on Monday. Uh, U.S. topping the table right now with 59 overall medals. China next with 50. ROC, 44. Great Britain, 32. And Australia and Japan at, uh, at 31 medals apiece. 72 nations with medals so far. Um, the uh, top five in the in the in the medal table seems to stay the same from day to day now. 
Well, we have sport climbing medals, Ed, for the first time in the history of the Olympics. Uh, just two, one, one in the men's category, one in the women's category. Uh, just wanted to get that out there. Had a nice conversation with the uh, international sport climbing president, Marco Scolaris. They're excited. Uh, qualifications open on Tuesday. Uh, they're sharing Iomi Urban Sports Park with three by three basketball, which uh, he said he said was nice to you know be around some of um, um, you know the basketball officials and and catch a little of that in their preparation. But uh, speed, uh, bouldering, and lead three different disciplines. But uh, w one gold medal for the men, one gold medal for the women. That starts on Tuesday with medals on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, keep an eye one of one of the five new sports in Tokyo. And the uh, the fifth new sport is karate, which should be a very popular event in Japan. Of course, it's it's home, and that will be later this week the uh, the karate competition. Brian Pinelli, thanks very much for for joining us today on this edition of the Tokyo Report. Uh, we've got seven more days to go of this uh, wonderful pageant, unlike any other. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's keep the momentum going, Ed. We got one, one more week. All the best to uh, all our journalist friends uh, out there working their tails off. Obviously, to the athletes and uh, our, our hardworking friends at the many sports federations that are, are so instrumental in in cooperation. Obviously, with the IOC and and the athletes to uh, make these games happen. And we'll be reporting every day through the end of the games here at Around the Rings. Thanks very much for joining us today on this edition of the Tokyo Report, along with Brian Pinelli, I'm Ed Hula, your best source of news about the Olympics for 30 years, aroundtherings.com.